If you would, turn in your Bibles to John, the 17th chapter. The title of the message is Tethered by Tender Mercy. Tethered by Tender Mercy. I want to start reading in John 17. If you would, look with me to verse 22. And as you're turning there and looking to this verse, remember that this is the final message that Jesus preaches before he goes to the cross. Okay, and also at this point in the several chapter message that he's been preaching here since about John 13 or 14, this is the point at which he stops looking and teaching directly to the disciples and he lifts up his eyes to heaven and begins to talk to his father. Now, I think it's very important that you understand that they hear him while he's doing this. They hear what he's saying. Isn't that precious that he would let them in on that? Praise God. So in verse 22, as he's winding down his prayer to his father the night before he goes to the cross, let's read. He says in verse 22, And the glory which thou gavest me, I have given them, that they may be one, even as we are one. Listen to this beautiful poetic language now. I in them, and thou in me, that they may be perfect in one. And that the world may know that thou hast sent me and hast loved them as thou hast loved me. Father, I will that they also whom thou hast given me be with me where I am. That's heaven. That they may behold my glory which thou hast given me. For thou lovest me before the foundation of the world. Let's continue out the chapter. O righteous Father, the world hath not known thee, but I have known thee, and these have known that thou hast sent me, and I have declared unto them thy name, and will declare it, that the love wherewith thou hast loved me may be in them, and I in them. I want you to notice, if you go back and read through that chapter, some of your private meditations and study, you'll find a lot of giving in that chapter, and you'll find a lot of teaching where Jesus is saying, I'm in the Father, the Father's in me, and I'm in my children, and it's like a tether. You know what a tether is? If you're into rappelling, which I used to be, very dangerous thing to do, but climbers are often tethered to each other. Now, that is not the primary image that we're going to discuss here as we look at it, but it is easy for us to see that, to be tethered together. Jesus is saying, I am tethered to God, because He is God, and the Father is tethered to me. And he says, and I'm tethered to my people. I am connected to my people because I'm in them. And his whole desire, notice, he wants them to be with him in heaven one day. But before they get there, his desire is that they may be one. Tethered together. Okay? Now, let's look at this from a big picture standpoint. Jesus says in verse 24, he says, For thou lovest me before the foundation of the world. We like that phrase as old Baptists, don't we? According as he hath chosen us before the foundation of the world. We love that phrase. And here Jesus gives a little more insight on something that's going on before the foundation of the world. He says, the Father loves me. I love the Father. The Father loves me. The Spirit all brings us together as one. God the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. So what we should get out of that is there was a perfect love and unity within the Godhead before the world was even formed. <laughs> now, if you're like me, that's that before the foundation of the world, sometimes it's a little hard to wrap your mind around because you weren't there. And <laughs> we haven't seen what it's like without a world, without a universe. But Jesus says, before the world was formed, God, my Father, loved me. And there was a perfect unity. 
He didn't need you and me before the foundation of the world to make that unity perfect, you see? So that's part of the mystery of grace and mercy. Why in the world would God in His perfection and His unity and His love that had no dissension, no lying, no backbiting, no gossip, no innuendo, no fussing or fighting, no drama, why would God in that perfection even conceive of, well, I want some people to be here with me. But knowing what's coming, you know, God sees what's coming with the creation of Adam and the fall in the Garden of Eden. How in the world can that love that's so perfect extend to people like us, to unworthy sinners? That's a mystery right there. And if you get your mind wrapped around that, share your thoughts with me, please. Because it's a mystery. Here is God in His perfection, and He has need of nothing. He's perfect in His love with no dissension. And yet, Jesus says, I want my people who the Father has given me to be with me where I am in heaven. And while they're here on this earth, I want them to interact and be one with one another. <laughs> How in the world is that going to happen when we're dealing with perfect love? Now listen, 26 years ago, I felt like I had a perfect love for Tracy Jennings, eventually McCool. I mean, I have never felt that kind of love before in my life. You know, I want to sacrifice for her. I want to do everything for her. I want to make sure her life is easy and smooth. And, and you know, I've learned through the years, I don't have a perfect love. I'm a sinner. Lord knows I've let her down at times and I try to do the right thing. But we all mess up. We don't have the perfection that God has. You see, we don't have the ability to keep it perfect. You got that? We fail and we let people down and we do things we shouldn't do. So how in the world can a perfect love that existed before there was a world, how can that come to us? And how can we experience it in our lives? Before the world was formed, the love of God was self-contained within itself. Turn to Psalm 77. How are we going to be there? How are we going to experience per perfect love this side of heaven. It seems like a mystery. It almost seems impossible whenever you think about yourself and you think about what kind of a sinner that you are. Look at Psalm 77 and let's begin reading because this sets very clearly to before us how God's children can experience and do experience that perfect love. It cannot come to us and us maintain it as perfect. You understand? And furthermore, we don't even deserve it. So how does it extend from eternity and it reaches out and it becomes a part of us. Psalm 77, I cried unto God with my voice, even to God with my voice, and he gave ear unto me. The psalmist is in great distress. In the day of my trouble, I sought the Lord. My soul ran in the night and ceased not. My soul refused to be comforted. It makes me think of whenever Herod slaughtered the two-year-olds and younger in the area of Judea. It says that was a, in book of Jeremiah, that was a prophecy that was contained right there where it says, Rachel refused to be comforted because her children were not. This is a person right here that refuses to be comforted. I refuse to receive comfort. See? He says, I remembered God and was troubled. You ever been there? <laughs> I complained and my spirit was overwhelmed. Say la. 
Thou holdest mine eyes waking. I couldn't even sleep through the night. I am so troubled that I cannot speak. I can't even express myself to my friends or my spouse or my brothers or my sisters because I'm so troubled within. You ever been there? Well, if you haven't, you probably haven't lived long enough. (laughs) But I have considered the days of old, the years of ancient times. I call to remembrance my song in the night. I commune with my own heart and my spirit made diligent search. He's, He's really trying to see God and to experience God and to feel God in the midst of his terrible circumstance. Will the Lord cast off forever? Will he be favorable no more? Now here we go. Is his mercy clean gone forever? Doth his promise fail forevermore? Let's read on. Hath God forgotten to be gracious? Hath He in anger shut up His tender mercies? You notice in verse 8, He says, is His mercy clean gone forever? And in verse 9, He says, has He shut up His tender mercies? Now, that's two different types of mercy. And I hope this is a lesson that we understand and comprehend today. The first place where He mentions mercy there. It obviously is an attribute of God. No question. There's no question because he's referring to God. The second place that he mentions mercy is something even deeper and more meaningful than just, if you'll let me say it this way, plain old mercy. (laughs) You know, the first mercy is something that does apply to God in this context, but it can also apply to things in the world. For example, somebody sitting on death row and they're waiting for the call from the governor or the president or whoever to spare them to get mercy, a judicial sparing from what they deserve. Somebody on death row is looking for that type of mercy. So that type of mercy, although it applies to God in this context, it can apply to the courts of the land. Okay, are, we, are you with me? That first type of mercy can be a judicial mercy that has nothing to do with God. All right? Now in this context, it has to do with God. But we go deeper on the next one. Is his mercy clean gone forever? Hath God forgotten to be gracious? Hath he in anger shut up his tender mercies? Now that's something altogether different. That is something that cannot apply to the judicial aspect of it. Okay, The definition of tender mercies right there is compassion. And the picture, the word picture that is given in the Hebrew is the womb. As a mother cherishing her child in the womb. Now some of you may be thinking, well... How can that picture of a mother cherishing their child apply to God the Father? I'll show you in a minute. You know how it applies to God the Father? Because God the Father made it apply to Him. <laughs> and when God the Father says it applies to me, that's, all, that's the end of the matter. See? So he says, Have you in anger shut up your tender mercies? And that is something deeper and more meaningful than just plain old mercy. And when I say plain old mercy, there really is no such thing when it comes to God. Mercy is being spared from what you deserve. Mercy is the only reason we'll be in heaven. But the tender mercies of God is something a little further on. So press on with me as we look in the scripture of what the tender mercies of God mean. You don't have to turn to these sites, but you can. I'll be happy to give them to you later. But 1 Kings 3 and 26 deals with the tender mercies, okay? Now this doesn't, in the context, it's not talking about God. This is the situation where Solomon is about to meet out his first measure of, of wisdom that God has given him that he has asked for, and he has these two harlots that come before him, these two women 
who had children and one of the women rolled over on their child in the night. So the woman who rolled over and smothered her child by mistake in the night, she comes before Solomon and says, the baby's mine. She swapped the babies. She put the dead baby in the true mother's bed in the middle of the night. And so she comes before Solomon and she says, that baby's mine. The dead baby's hers. And in 1 Kings 3 and 26, whenever Solomon who was never going to cut the baby in half. Don't worry. He was never going to do that. This was an application of God's wisdom so he could figure out who the real mother was. Whenever he said, just bring the baby here, take a sword and divide it, give half to the one mother, half to the other, because we can't figure out. You know, it's, it's almost like he's being facetious. And so it says in verse 26 of 1 Kings 3, Then spake the woman whose the living child was. The real mother, the true mother, said to the king, now watch the language, for her bowels yearned upon her son. That's the same phrase as tender mercies. You see, that mother had such compassion for the child of her womb that she said, oh Lord, just give the living child to her. Don't put my child to death. You see, that is a physical, that is a natural image of what we read about in the Psalms where the psalmist said, is his mercy clean gone forever? And has he shut up his tender mercies? Here you have a woman, a mother, who is so yearning upon the life of her child, so concerned with the well-being of her child that she says, just give it away if you're going to kill it. <laughs> That's a true mother mentality right there, isn't it? And now don't, don't forget where that came from. You talk about grace and mercy. This woman was a harlot. She was a girlfriend for hire. And she had that compassion for her child. And you know what? She got her child back. Solomon said, okay, we see it now. The other mother said, that's right. Divide it. Cut it in half. <laughs> Just cut it in half. And I'll have half a dead baby and she'll have half a dead baby. See how mean that is? You see the distinction between the two mothers? The true mother got her baby back. Okay? All right? In Genesis 43 and 14... In Genesis 43 and 30, again, you can turn there if you want to. I'll be glad to give it to you later. This is where Jacob has finally agreed to send his boys back down to Egypt. Finally agreed to let them go because Judah, you know, said, I'll be surety. I'll be surety when I take Benjamin back down there. Beautiful, beautiful picture of sacrifice. Judah was you know, the great, great, whatever ancestor of Jesus, of course. And so when Jacob finally agrees and says, okay, okay, go. <laughs> and he says in verse 14, he says, and God almighty give you mercy. That's the same word for tender mercies. He is praying that God almighty would grant his boys, specifically Judah, when they go back down there before this mean, they think mean, leader down in Egypt, which was really their brother. How ironic is that? It's Joseph. It's really their brother. He says, God Almighty give you tender mercies on your journey. And interestingly, I believe the prayer of Jacob was answered because in verse 30, whenever Joseph can stand it no more, hearing the plea of his brothers, it says that his bowels yearned within him. That means the same phrase. He was having tender mercy towards his brother. Brothers. Okay, sometimes when I study and I come across a, there's, there's all kinds of nuggets in the Word of God, but sometimes when I'm in my studies and I come across a nugget, I'll make a note somehow to remember, hey, this is really significant right here. And so I chose in my notes 
on this next verse in Isaiah, the 46th chapter, in Isaiah 46, the next occurrence of tender mercies. So whenever I came across this, I wrote, wow. <laughs> That's how I remembered it. So when I come back through my notes, I'm like, oh, wow. Yeah, I got to look at that. Listen, if, when you do your studies, you put an asterisk, make an exclamation mark, and you can even write wow. But I'm going to tell you, this is a total side note. If you're not in the Word of God and you're not studying the Word of God, you're not ever going to even have the possibility of writing the word wow. But if you'll get in it, you'll have some wow moments. So I wrote wow whenever I got to Isaiah 46. And let's read verse 3 and 4. And you remember a minute ago, we, I said, you know, this is a mother's image of a baby in the womb, and how does it apply to God? Here it is. God applies it to Himself. Isaiah 46 and 3. Hearken unto me, O house of Jacob, and all the remnant of the house of Israel, which are born by me from the belly. You catch that? Which are carried from the womb. That is the phrase, tender mercies, right there, in a different form in the Hebrew. And even to your old age I am He. And even to whore hairs, that means white hairs, Gray hairs will I carry you. I have made and I will bear. Even I will carry and will deliver you. So you see how God applies that to himself? Like a mother. Greater than a mother because he is the heavenly father. We're talking about our eternal salvation. We're talking about our tethering to him. Now, I don't even know that I have to explain this, but everybody knows that a baby in the womb is tethered to his mother. Right? One of the first things that takes place after a baby's born is the cord, the umbilical cord is cut. The tether is severed, you see? Could there be any more beautiful picture of tender mercy? Not only that babe in the womb that's being cared for, the mother's being careful how she, how, a, a good mother, a godly mother, a good mother's being careful how she takes care of that baby, what she eats, you know, the, the activities that she carries out. And even beyond the mother's care, God has designed the womb in such a way that there is a built-in tether to the mother. You can't get any closer than that. And God says, I, as your heavenly father, like a mother, I have borne you from the womb. I am tethered to you. You get that? We are tethered to God by the tender mercies of God. You want to know how God's perfect love comes to you and comes to me? It is by God tethering Himself to us in tender mercy. You see that? So if you want to think about the connection that we have with God, the only way we can approach God, the only way that He comes to us and extends His love to us, it has to be through tender mercies. And the image that's given is, a mother who is tethered to that child, taking care, very careful care of that child. So that was a wow moment for me. That's the very word for tender mercies where it says, I have borne you from the belly. I have carried you from the womb. Now, if you've ever wondered like me, maybe you get a little bit pharisaical, a little bit hypocritical, a little bit legalistic. Surely none of y'all do that. Well, I do it on occasion. <laughs> And I've often looked at the Word of God and I've thought, how in the world did God put up with those Israelites out in the wilderness? After the Red Sea, after the Passover, after the death of the firstborn of the Egyptians. I mean, what was God thinking? 
putting up with all those rebellious millions of Israelites who would complain one day and he'd answer this and he'd complain another day and they wandered for 40 years. Well, if you've ever wondered that, here's the answer. Look at Nehemiah, the ninth chapter. In Nehemiah, the ninth chapter, it tells you exactly why God put up with them. And if you get off of your little Pharisee horse and off your little legalistic horse and off of your little traditional-minded horse, you'll see that that's why he puts up with you too. (laughs) In Nehemiah, let's look at uh, chapter 9. And this is Nehemiah in the book of Nehemiah recounting the things that had happened in the past. Remember, Nehemiah is the day they're building the wall back. They've been judged. They've been sent off to Babylon. They've come back. And they're thinking back hundreds of years before. Look at Nehemiah 9 and verse 19. Look what he says. Yet thou and thy manifold mercies forsookest them not in the wilderness. That word manifold mercies is tender mercies. Like the mother has mercy on the child that is tethered to her in the womb. You want to know why God put up with them? It's because of his tender mercies. He was tethered to them, you see? Yet thou in thy manifold mercies forsookest them not in the wilderness. The pillar of the cloud departed not from them by day to lead them in the way. Neither the pillar of fire by night to show them light in the way thereof they should go, wherein they should go. Thou gavest also thy good spirit to instruct them, and withheldest not thy manna from their mouth, and gavest them water for their thirst. This is all because of the tender mercies of God. Yea, forty years didst thou sustain them in the wilderness, so that they lack nothing. Listen to this. Their clothes wax not old. In forty years, their clothes did not go threadbare. (laughs) They stayed fresh. You say, how is that possible? You know, y'all buy some of these clothes and next week you're tired of them or, oh, it's got a little threadbare on it, you know, or next month or whatever. Their clothes for 40 years did not go threadbare and their feet did not swell. Y'all ever been to maybe an amusement park and walked and walked? And some of you in your jobs, you just walk and walk and walk. You know, your feet can swell from walking so much and get tired. If you think about the image of a mother who's expecting a baby. Oh my goodness, those feet automatically swell, don't they? (laughs) He said their feet did not even swell. I tell you, that is the tender mercy of God right there. Is that not the tender mercy of God? I mean, he could have said, well, I'll give them a little bit of mercy. I'll give them some judicial mercy and sparing. And I'll just sit there and watch and go, ha! You know, while their feet swell and their feet hurt and their clothes fall off of them because they're threadbare for 40 years. The tender mercy of God kept them clothed and also kept their feet from swelling. Don't tell me that your God is not a God that is concerned about even your very feet. You see, can we say those people of Israel, they did not deserve all of the patience and mercy that God had given to them. Now, let me give you one more place in the Old Testament. One more example. By the way, there's about 40 plus examples of the occurrence of tender mercies, and we've only looked at just a handful of them. So you can go next week and spend your week and your study time looking at the 40-plus occurrences of the tender mercies of God. Look with me to the book of Daniel. And I think this makes the point even more clear about how God's love comes to us and we can experience it as sinners. Daniel 9, and let's begin reading in the close of Daniel's prayer in verse 17. Daniel's praying pretty much this whole chapter. And towards the end of the prayer, it's significant. I want you to notice what he says in verse 17. We're going to read three or four verses here. Daniel 9 and 17. Now therefore, O our God, 
Hear the prayer of thy servant and his supplications, and cause thy face to shine upon thy sanctuary that is desolate for the Lord's sake. You remember Daniel? He's in captivity. Jerusalem and the temple is gone. It's been wiped out. Oh my God, incline thine ear and hear. Open thine eyes and behold our desolations and the city which is called by thy name. For we do not present our supplications before thee for our righteousnesses, but for thy great mercies. Did you catch that? Daniel makes it clear, Lord, I'm not down here on my knees praying to you because there's some goodness about me. Now, you won't find a better moral, godly servant of God in the Old Testament. You won't hardly find a better one than Daniel, right? And you would say, well, of all people, surely God would hear Daniel's prayer because he was so good. But Daniel, his goodness is hinged upon the fact that he knows in his nature he has no goodness. Daniel gets down on his knees and he says, I'm not offering this prayer to you, Lord, because I have some credit built up with you or some righteousness of my own. I'm offering this prayer for thy great mercies. And that is it. The tender mercies of God. Y'all see how these, these men praying and the things that we read about in the Word of God, the tender mercies of God can only point to another source for help. You get that? I mean, think about the reality of a baby in the womb. Before that baby's born, what can that baby do for you? Right? Absolutely nothing. You ladies who have experienced that know that he just makes your feet swell and other things that go on. You know, it's, it's, it's not the easiest thing to do in the world, right? So I figured all the women who had babies would say, Amen! You know, that's not the easiest thing to do in the world. And that baby cannot pay you back anything. You see? It's a helpless babe. And it's tethered to the mother. You know, when the baby's born and the tether is severed and you're holding that baby. We've got beautiful babies back here today. You know, what can that baby do for you? It doesn't have any ability. And I've noticed this through the years. You ever notice how human babies are like a thousand times more helpless than the animal world? You know, you go out there and you see a colt that's born from a horse, a mare, and the next thing you know, within what, 45 minutes or 30 minutes or an hour or whatever, that colt's up running around. He's nibbling on grass. You know, he's getting some water. I mean, that thing is something. It is sturdy. Think about other, like we just had seven kittens. The most cats mama cat has ever had around our house. And I thought, well, surely three or four of them are going to fall off and die. You know, not a single one of them died. They're too tough to die. You know, and they're scrambling around and... Before the kids went to the beach on a Sunday a month or so ago, I told Sister Lila, I said, you mark my words, as soon as y'all leave this house, those cats are going to be out of that box and I'm going to be chasing them around. And that very night, they got out of the box and they're all over the basement. I'm chasing them around. I told you, I told you. So I had to build the walls of the box higher, you know, so they couldn't get out. You know, think about how sturdy those cats are, the kittens. It's not that way with humans, is it? I mean... Don't ever do this, but think about a, a human baby being laid out in a field and get up, get up, you know, go, go fend for yourself. It's impossible. You see, the point that God is even making in the nature, the, the creation of the nature around us and natural things to point to the fact that we need help. You get that? There's no way that a baby can survive without the mother and the father you know, sacrificing themselves and taking care of that helpless babe. And there could be no more beautiful picture than the mother taking care of that babe in the womb and the mother and the father taking care of that babe after it's born. There's only one way in a spirit-minded person to take care of that baby through the tender mercies that you have. 
And child of grace, Daniel's not praying for his own righteousness. Look at me, God. Look at what I've done. He's saying, not for our righteousnesses do we pray to you, but for your tender mercy. And you can go on and read there just a few seconds after he concludes his prayer. The angel shows up. He says, Daniel, I'm here to give you a message from God. And the angel also says this. It's a total side note, but I don't want to overlook it. The angel says, from the time that you started praying down on your knees, I was sent forth. You know, we don't see that spirit world, you know. Probably a good thing because it would scare us. Most every time an angel showed up, you know, the people bit the dust, you know. Every time an angel showed up. We don't see that spirit world. But don't miss that, that when Daniel got down on his knees and he began to pray and supplicate for the tender mercies of God, the Lord said, go to this angel. Go. And the angel tells him when he gets there, from the time you started praying, Daniel, I was sent. And here I am. You see the tender mercies of God? Well, I know we started out in the New Testament and we're going back there now. Back to John 17. And a few other places we're going to touch on. But I hope that you can see clearly that the way that the perfect love of God contained within the Godhead, the way that it comes to us, the tether, if you will, the connection that we have with God is through tender mercies. Now that ought to make you feel thankful that God would look upon your dead state, your helpless state. And here's the funny thing. You know, babies are cute, aren't they? They're cute. They're precious. They make these little noises and we ooh and ah over them. But you were not cute. I was not cute. We were dead in sins. We were polluted in our own sins. And God had tender mercy upon us. So the way that that tender mercy comes to you is through Jesus Christ. How about that? Back to John, the 17th chapter. Don't think that the tender mercy of God is not in the New Testament because it is. In John 17, Jesus says in verse 21 that they all may be one as thou, Father, art in me and I in thee, that they also may be one in us and the world may believe that thou hast sent us and the glory which you gave me I have given them that they may be one even as we are one, I in them and thou in me, that they may be made perfect in one. That's mature. That's not without fault, but it's, it's mature. And that the world may know. You see how this applies to the here and now? He says, the world will know that I am in my people because of this tethering of tender mercy. Father, I will they also whom thou hast given me that be where I am, that they may behold my glory which thou hast given me, for thou lovest me before the foundation of the world. So maybe also this might help you see a little clearer why the Lord Jesus Christ was made flesh. He was made in man's flesh. He's all man and He's all God, you see. But the reason, one of the reasons that He was made flesh is so that He would become like us but not in the sin sense, not a sinful person. As a matter of fact, over in the book of Hebrews, it says that He is holy, harmless, undefiled, and separate from sinners. Well, that kind of goes against thinking about how we can get close to Him. If He's holy, and He's harmless, and He's separate from sinners, and He's undefiled, well, you know what? A lot of times in our lives, we're unholy, and we harm others, and we are not like Christ. We are with sinners, but He's separate for sinners. So how does He connect to us? It's through the tender mercies of God. 
That's the only way God's love comes to you. Now you see how that flies in the face of the modern religionist who says, you know, I'll do this and I'll do that and I'll say this and I'll say that and I'll make sure that I've done it good enough so that the Lord will accept me, so that the Lord will look upon me favorably. That's not how Daniel prayed. Daniel prayed for the tender mercies of God. Daniel said, I have no righteousness of my own. Isaiah said, my righteousnesses, all of our righteousnesses are like filthy rags before the Lord. You see, it's the tender mercy of God. Christ was made flesh. <laughs> Look, you've heard the old saying, well, the dog is man's best friend. I like dogs. I mean, you know, I've had dogs growing up and pets and, you know, I even occasionally like a cat every now and then, <laughs> mainly because Lila likes it. But <laughs> dog is not man's best friend. Christ is man's best friend. Christ, the holy, supreme king of kings, came down from his throne in the perfect love of God that was contained within the Godhead. He descended below that, and Hebrews tells us that he was made a little lower than the angels. He descended below the status of angels and took on him the form of flesh so that he could legitimately and truthfully say, I've been there. <laughs> You see, he's been there in ways that you and I will never understand. I think we'll spend all of eternity wondering and amazement at how Christ has been there. He came in the form of flesh. He took on the form of man, and yet he's still God. That's a mystery. The Scripture teaches that. That's a mystery. And the reason he did that is so that he could tether himself to you and to me, his children. You can't say, oh, well, you know, God's just above us. Like all the Greek gods, you know, that were up there about to drop a thunderbolt like Zeus was... False gods, of course, was going to drop a thunderbolt. They were terrified. All of those gods of the nation of India where you see they're all frowning. 30,000 gods that have frowning faces and they're angry at, at their subjects. Let me tell you, the, the Son of God, the true God, the King of kings descended from His throne and He tethered Himself to you by becoming flesh and paying for your sins and you are tethered to Him forever. <laughs> Isn't that a beautiful picture? So the essence of God's love when it comes to you and to me is the tender mercy of God. James 5 and 11, you find that tender mercy in the New Testament. And the beautiful picture that's given there in James 5 and 11. He says, Behold, we count them happy which endure. Ye have heard of the patience of Job. Remember Job? <laughs> And have seen the end of the Lord, that the Lord is very pitiful or full of pity and of tender mercy. Now you think about that next time you read the book of Job and you see what Job went through and you see what he lost and you see what was taken from him when Satan attacked him and assaulted him. I tell you, child of grace, it was the tender mercy of God that was keeping him alive, that was sustaining him when he couldn't even see the tender mercy of God. It was the tender mercy of God that tethered God to Job in the midst of his worst time in his life. Isn't that something? And whether you can see it or not in the times of your life whenever you can't feel or can't feel like you can't experience the tender mercy of God, I can assure you based on the Word of God, you are tethered to the Son of God. 
Now, I'm kind of crazy in my thinking and stuff, but when I sat there and I thought about that, I, I sat back and I, I could just picture God in heaven in the throne room. Uh, maybe, uh, I don't know if attached to Him or attached to the throne at least. I could just see all of these tether lines coming out from the throne room and they go out millions upon billions of tether lines that go out to the children of God, little points of light throughout the world. Don't you wish we could see that? Don't you wish we could just look and say, there it is, all the way to the throne room. Well, you can find a, a few in the Word of God that did see that. Men like Stephen who died as martyrs. They, he saw the tether leading to the throne room. He saw Christ standing up on the right hand of God. You see that? Child of grace, it doesn't matter what you go through. It doesn't matter who rejects you. It doesn't matter what you're dealing with. You are tethered by the tender mercies of Christ. Now, I hope you see that. And every time you look at a thief on the cross, or every time you look at a Lazarus the beggar who's laying there with sores and the dogs are licking the sores, I hope you can see the tether. You say, why would he save that person? I'm telling you, it's by the tender mercy of God. The same reason he saved you. <laughs> okay, now... I hope we have spent enough time on making that point that the way that God's love comes to us, you are connected to Him. You are tethered to God by the tender mercy of God. Now look at John 15. Let's press a little further. John 15 and verse 10. We're talking about the love of God, the tender mercy of God. John 15 and 10. If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. This is more language, very similar to what's in John 17. These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. This is my commandment, that ye love one another. We say, that's not too hard. Wait till you see the next phrase. As I have loved you. How has He loved you? He has loved you through tender mercy. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man laid down his life for his friends. So you may be sitting there today and rejoicing like me in the wow moment of God's tender love has come to me and I am tethered to Him. But that's not the end of the matter. That's not all there is. You could sit there and gaze at the throne room all day and just say, praise God, praise God, I'm tethered to Him. Jesus says, if you want to experience the tethering of God's tender mercy to Christ in this life, it has to do with how you interact with one another in tender mercy. Are you with me? You say, well, I get that tender mercy part. I'm tethered to the throne room. You will never, hear me, you will never experience the tender mercies of God, like you should, until you not only look to the throne room, but you begin to look to your right and to your left and front and behind. Because you know what? There's somebody that is also tethered to Jesus Christ. And whenever you lay down your life for each other, it is like you are tethering yourself to each other. you got connections to each other that the world can never have. Because the world doesn't understand the tender mercy of God. <laughs> some of you are nodding. Some of you are getting it. Some of you are going, wait a minute. Does this mean I've got to be nice to people? <laughs> I'm telling you, it's more than being nice to people. Let me tell you. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. And greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. You see, Christ's interaction with his people is through tender mercy. And the only way that we can interact in a way that honors him when it comes to one another, is through the tender mercies of God, tethering ourselves one to another. 
as God has tethered us to Him. Now, I told you I wrote down in Isaiah 46, I wrote, wow. Well, in this particular study that I did, if you'll turn to Zechariah, the first chapter, I had a wow, wow. I didn't say bow, wow. I said a wow, wow. That doesn't happen much. But the first one was wow. And when I came to this next one, I was like, wow, wow. (laughs) Zechariah 1, and look at verse 14. And this is another occurrence of the tender mercies of God. So the angel that communed with me said unto me, Cry thou, saying, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, I am jealous for Jerusalem and for Zion with a great jealousy. Therefore, thus saith the Lord, I am returned to Jerusalem with mercies. That's the word, tender mercies. Now, when I wrote down wow, wow over that, this is what occurred to me. Here, the angel comes and tells Zechariah, it says, I am jealous over you. And then he says, I am come to extend my tender mercies back to Jerusalem. I want you to notice that another offshoot of this tethering that we have to the Lord is that he is jealous over you. In other words, when you're jealous over someone in a godly way, you say, don't mess with this person. Get it? You know, don't mess with Brother Link back there. You know, that's my grandson. You know, don't mess with him. (laughs) Not only is there a compassion and a love for that child, for that baby, you also don't want anybody to mess with it. Mothers think about how, you know, especially in these post-COVID times, you're like, I'm not quite ready for somebody to hold my baby yet. You know, I want to make sure you're well when you hold it. That is a jealousy over that baby. So not only do you have a tender mercy for that child, you also see a jealousy. Now, you know, the other type of jealousy can be bad. You know, when somebody's jealous of somebody else's accomplishments, somebody's jealous of what somebody else has done, somebody's jealous that, you know, this person's getting ahead of me or whatever, that's a bad jealousy. But this is a good jealousy because it stems from the tethering and tender mercy to the Lord. You get that? The angel says, God is jealous over you because you are tethered to Him in tender mercy. All right? Back up and assess what we've got here. The love of God comes to the people of God through the tender mercy of God. And not only does He love them and show compassion to them, He's jealous over them. So when you read in the Old Testament, the Lord says, I am a jealous God. It's because you're tethered to Him in tender mercy. And child of grace, here's the point. (laughs) If we're tethered to the Lord, and the only way that we can experience, truly experience the tender mercy of God is by how we serve and love one another and show tender mercy towards one another, if that's the only way that we can experience, then we ought to be jealous over one another. Did you know that I'm jealous over you, as Paul said, with a godly jealousy? Paul said to the church at Corinth, he said, I'm jealous over you. I want to see you grow in grace. I want to see you serve the Lord. My passion, my desire as your pastor is to feed you the Word of God so that you can grow in the Word of God. And this is one of the most important things that I could share with God's people. The tender mercy of God. You see, not only do we love one another, and lay our lives down for one another and demonstrate tender mercy to one another, we should be jealous over one another. Now, this is my last few comments here from Colossians 3. Listen carefully. And take this little test with me as we look at Colossians 3. Colossians 3, verse 5. Mortify, therefore, your members which are upon the earth. Fornication. Can sexual sin or fornication, can that demonstrate 
the tender mercies of God. No. Uncleanness. You know, that can be sexual impurity. Can that demonstrate the tender mercies of God? Inordinate affection. Inappropriate affection towards things of the world. It might be Hollywood. It might be sports. It might be shopping. You know, there's no way I can touch on everybody's inordinate affection. But we all have them. Can that demonstrate the tender mercies of God? Evil concupiscence, which means evil desire. Can that demonstrate the tender mercies of God? Covetousness. I want what you've got. Or I wish I had what you've got. Can covetousness demonstrate the tender mercies of God? Can idolatry demonstrate the tender mercies of God? For which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience, in the which ye also walked sometime when ye lived in them. But now ye also put off all these. Anger. Can we demonstrate the tender mercy of God towards one another in anger? Wrath. A fervor of anger. Can that demonstrate the tender mercies of God? No. Malice. Ill will towards one another. Just having a general ill feeling towards each other. Can that demonstrate the tender mercies of God? Absolutely not. Blasphemy. That's a no-brainer, isn't it? Filthy communication out of your mouth. Gossip. Lying. Innuendo. All these different things. Can that demonstrate the tender mercy of God? No way. Seeing that ye have put off the old man with his deeds, but put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him, where there's neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond or free, but Christ in all and in all, put on therefore as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies. And that is the word from the book of James for tender mercy. It's the same thing. Put on tender mercy. Can we show one another tender mercy by acting in kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another, forgiving one another? If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. You remember Jesus said, I in thee and thou in me, that they may be perfect and one in Christ. Now that's a little bit of a journey. Probably more Scripture than I turn to normally. But as you can see, I had three wows in my studies, and I just couldn't wait to share that. The love of God can only come to you and to me through the tender mercy of God. And child of grace, you are tethered to God for all of eternity, straight to the throne room by the man, Christ Jesus. And we tether ourselves one to another as we lay down our lives and we show tender mercies one toward another. We're not going to backbite. We're not going to lie to each other. We're not going to blaspheme the name of God. We're not going to do all these things that are listed here. Many other things that could be listed. If we're laying down our lives and demonstrating tender mercy, those things just will not exist. And you want to know what makes a church healthy and wholesome and glorifying to God? And letting that tether continue to guide you through life. You see? May the Lord bless us to tether ourselves one to another in tender mercy. We don't have to agree on everything that we do or say, but we have to demonstrate tender mercy one toward another. If there's one or more here that would like to follow the Lord and tether themselves to the church of God, we give you that opportunity as we stand and sing. There's no better place in the world to follow along, to know the Lord and see the tender mercies of God than in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ.